0: Hi, I'm Bob Yandian. Join me today as we talk about how do we look at the circumstances of life. The Bible says to rejoice, but how often do we pray, oh Lord, just give me joy. No, joy is a choice. We choose to have joy and to rejoice in the Lord always. So today, let's attack the Word of God. Let's get into it, but let's decide we're gonna do it with a choice of opening up our heart to the joy of the Lord. Let's go to the Word of God together.
1: For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello,
0: this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome back to Student of the Word. We're here to talk to you today about rejoicing in the Lord what the Word of God has to say about this. And boy, are we living in a day you need to learn how to rejoice. You need to find out that joy can be a stability in your life. Joy can help you when you go out to face anything, you shall go out with joy. I mean, think about that. If you really go out to the world and facing the problems today, it's like, come on, get joyful before you leave the house and go walking out there. Don't try to get joyful in the midst of all the junk that the world is throwing against you. So again, today we're gonna to talk about that from the Word of God. You can turn to Matthew chapter 24. We're gonna read verses four through eight and uh, describing today about the ability to rejoice and what joy can do in your own heart. So again, that's great. For those of you watching today, and maybe you're joining us for the first time, we welcome you. There's a great group of people around you that love this broadcast and watch it. In fact, I have a praise report here from Mary. And Mary says, I'm so thankful I have you to listen to. You're a blessing to me. Thank you. Well, thank you, Mary. There's many of you out there that write in the same thing. And so, again, just letting you know what people are saying about the broadcast. And I think you're going to enjoy it, too. A little bit different than most broadcasts. I am a pastor, pastored for 33 years. But before that, for four years, I was a instructor at a Bible school. And now that I have set uh, am now retired, uh, semi-retired, I'm not, you know, I'm not fully retired, sitting home fishing or anything. But uh, what I do is I also teach in Bible schools and teach uh, one in one, three or four times a year. And then there's another one I uh, teach at and just, I again, love it. I love Bible school students. There's something about Bible school students and those hearing the word of God, because they're going to use it in the days to come. I preach to pastors and, and I preach to congregations and that's wonderful. But I know one thing is, you know, they, a lot of them don't have use for all that I'm teaching them. They can put it to use in their daily life, but honestly, to go out and, and make it a real integral part of their life, that takes someone who has a call on their life to be in the ministry. And so that's how I approach you. I approach you as a Bible school student. In other words, If you're not a Bible school student, and if you're not headed into full-time ministry, in other words, I'm just going to overwhelm you with knowledge to where you'll have more than enough for your life. In fact, you have enough that if you have a call, you can go out and begin to minister for yourself. So again, that's what I'm teaching on. And uh, today we're going to talk about rejoicing in the Lord. But for those of you maybe who I've been watching for some time, and you'd like to join me as a partner, listen, there's, there's there's no such thing as God having a need and then preparing people's hearts for it. No, he prepares hearts before the need ever arises. Nothing takes God by surprise, and he has answers before problems even exist. So if I have need of finances, you know what? If I mention on here becoming a partner, God doesn't suddenly start asking people to be partners. You might hear what I'm saying and decide to be a partner, but God already has begun to speak to hearts, to people to say, you need to become a partner with Bob. And that's what happens whenever I mention this. Uh, Eventually somebody writes me and says, you know what, I knew it for some time. And all of a sudden, you said it and I thought, you know what? You need to get into, into with this thing. and Let's get doing it and let's obey God. In other words, every time you listen, every time you watch the broadcast, every time you're taking notes, there's this little thing inside going, you need to become a partner with Bob. That's the Lord speaking to you because you know why? He never asked you to do something that there isn't a great blessing attached to it down the road. I have many who give to me just because they love the word of God, but I have others who give to me because they were led to give. The Holy Spirit speaking to them. And every time I mention this, I'm going to bring it up somebody out there has heard from the Holy Spirit. You know, you should be. And every time you just keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Well, I can tell you this. Once you do it and the blessings start to roll into your life, you know what's going to happen. You're going to rejoice in this. You're not giving to get a blessing. No, the first thing reason why you're giving is is to help spread the word of God. Then blessings come because of that great attitude that you have. So If you want to join me as a partner and and the Lord has spoken to you or not spoken to you, but you still want to join me, then go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find a place on there where you can become a partner. And thank you. Appreciate it. Glad you're joining with me. And we're going to get a lot of things done as far as expansion, new books, all types of things happen when you begin to join me as a partner. And here's the good news too. When I go to heaven, I won't get all the praise. I won't get all the pats on the back. You'll get them too, because we all share in the rewards of what happened here while we were on the earth. Matthew chapter 24, take a look with me at verses four through eight. And here Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no man deceives you, For many will come in my name saying, I am Christ. I am the Messiah and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. And the Greek word here is birth pangs. The earth is pregnant today. And the things we're seeing around with earthquakes and famines and pestilence and all these things, although we look at them as terrible, they're painful. Well, a woman who is in, in labor doesn't, I mean, she sees it as painful, but she knows there's something coming on the other end and that's a beautiful child. Here's the thing. All we need to start doing is looking at the same thing with the problems of the world, the famines, the pestilence, the earthquakes, all these things to begin to understand there's a birth coming at the end of this. And the birth that's coming at the end of this will be the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ and the earth just keeps pushing and pushing as these problems come along. And on the other side of this is going to come a great kingdom of God. Now we're here for the moment, but then we're going to be taken up into heaven. We'll miss all the great uh, and horrible things that are going to be happening. The great uh, pains and all the problems happening during the time of the tribulation, but we'll be in heaven going through the judgment seat of Christ. And we will come back at the end of it as a bride adorned for Jesus, is our husband, and we'll be coming back with him on white horses. This is all in Revelation 19, and he's gonna come back and take over the world at that time. But I want you to notice some phrases in here because Matthew chapter 24, verses four through eight apply to the church age. Beginning in verse nine, we go right to the tribulation. And Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 are in chronological order. And so in verses one through three, he kind of gives an outline of three questions that they've asked him. And then in verse four through eight, he starts here with, well, things that are in the church age. Although he doesn't call it the church age, he talks about things we're seeing in our time. And the first thing he says is, take heed that no one deceive you. I want you to notice if you can take heed that no one deceives you, then apparently this is not something you pray for. It's something you make a choice in. There's a lot of things that we pray for in the Christian life that really, if you come to the word of God, you're you're responsible for that yourself. And there's a lot of things you should pray for, but we kind of lump it all into one. Instead of us taking responsibility, we pray, oh Lord, Man, Lord, just give me peace. Well, peace is not something you necessarily ask God for. Peace is a result of doing something right. And deception is not something you say, oh, Lord, don't let me be deceived. Then Lord say, well, you don't be deceived. You make the choice not to be deceived. How do you do that? You fall back on the word of God. So how do we, in verse four, take heed that no one deceives us? It's know the word of God. Face the situations that are coming at you with the word of God. The more you understand the word of God, the more stable you become, the more stable you become. No one can deceive you. No one can knock you over. No one can come from a direction you have not seen because of the word of God. And if you, again, are filled with the Holy Spirit and you pray with tongues, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have even more revelation from the Holy Spirit on being able to identify these things and see them as they come. What are we to take heed from? Well, first of all, in verse five, it says, for many will come in my name, saying, 'I I am Christ and will deceive many. Although there are many today that maybe are not saying they're Christ, they're giving words as from the Lord. They're saying, well, the Lord told me, the Lord told me. And here's the amazing thing. Although they call themselves prophets, there's something about a prophet you need to understand. Your word should come to pass. And many of them, the words don't come to pass, but they're all of a sudden off onto another prophecy and they don't go back and address why this former one didn't happen. And oftentimes they'll even give you a time limit within the next two weeks, thus saith the Lord, this is gonna happen. It doesn't happen and they're off onto something else. And so it says here in in the day we're living in, there's gonna be many false prophets, but also it says, Many will come in my name, declaring themselves to be the Messiah. It goes on to say, and will deceive many. Notice this, the deception will come. And when he's saying here, don't you be deceived, I'm telling you this verse of scripture is not just talking about sinners being deceived. Believers can be deceived. I mean, there's believers out there that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but also their followers of this one and followers of that one who are totally against the kingdom of God and what we understand. And they're trying their best to mingle the two and put them together, which it doesn't come that way. But anyway, he says, Many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. What's the first deception? Keep your eyes on the word of God and you'll know Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the means of salvation. And I've seen a number of Christians today who are saying this. Well, maybe Jesus isn't the only way to salvation. Maybe God looks at your heart. I can tell you this. You don't know the word of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And nobody comes to the father but by me. You say that's arrogance. No, that's confidence. And on top of that, it's assuring to us to know that Jesus Christ didn't say, I am the way, the truth, and the life because he's trying to promote himself. He's trying to save us going down the many wrong roads. Here's the right road. Thank you, Jesus, for telling us what the right road is and that anything besides you is the wrong road. Thank you for informing me. You saved me a lot of trouble in life. It goes on to say in verse six, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Wars are hot wars. Rumors of wars are cold wars. And we went through a long period of time in the 50s and 60s and 70s in our nation with with uh, cold wars going on. He then goes on and doubles down again, see that you're not troubled. Not only, first of all, don't be deceived, but next of all, don't be worried about it. For all these things must come to pass. Notice the word must. We're gonna hear of wars. We're gonna hear rumors of wars. These things must come to pass. He goes on to say, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be fam. Pestilences, earthquakes in different places. All these are the beginnings of birth pangs. So we know what will happen in the world. And this verse is telling us that. But what are we to do in the meantime? We know things are going to get bad. We know things are going to get worse. But here's what he says You rejoice in the midst of it, why? Because I've overcome the world. God the Father looked at Jesus and said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Guess what's going to happen? Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Once he stands up, guess what's going to start happening? His enemies will be made his footstool. The Bible says in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation that Jesus will come back with 10,000s of saints, and is described there, and also The prophets of the New Testament tell us the same thing. He's going to come back with 10,000s of saints. So it simply comes back to this. How do we keep from being deceived? How do we not become worried or troubled? We know, we trust, and we stand on the word of God. Romans chapter 8 tells us about the birth pangs that the earth is going through but also the church itself is going through birth pangs. A woman looks at birth pangs and rejoices for the upcoming joy of having a child. Every promise of God tells us as a promise something good is coming. We need to look to the end result and not the problem we're going through. We need to do what the word of God says and that's to say to things if God be for me you cannot be against me. That's in Romans chapter 8. And he also goes on to say I I I calculate, I look at the word of God and come to this conclusion that the sufferings of this present world cannot even be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. In other words, with all the things we see happening around us, governments all around the world, we see shortages of food and we see... Prices going up and all these things seem to be out of control. It's not out of control because it's never out of God's control. It may be out of man's control. It may be something fostered by Satan and by the world system, but God says, I have an answer for it. Stick with me, trust in me. You'll see it come to pass. And one day you'll be able to look at the whole thing and say, God was for me and this thing could not stand against me. I'll see you right after the break.
1: The moment you were born again, you were given the fruit of the spirit. Inside you dwells a well of salvation, and it is your responsibility to draw from that well. The joy of the Lord is found in that well of salvation. But many Christians do not realize that joy is a choice and not a feeling that falls upon them. Joy is often overlooked, yet it is one of the greatest powers of the Christian life. Joy will bring strength and healing to the life of every believer who will choose to walk in this fruit of the Spirit. This three-part series will teach you to tap into the joy of the Lord to find strength, healing, and victory in your life. Sermon titles include The Healing Power of Joy, The Sources of Joy, and Joy Has a Voice. To order Choose Joy, go to bobbyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption. Justification. Sanctification. Reconciliation
0: The verse we started with in Matthew chapter 24 and verse four says, take heed that no man deceives you. Verse six, it goes on to say, see that you're not troubled. Verse eight, all these are the beginnings of sorrow. He simply said in the midst of sorrow, what do you do? Take heed that no one deceives you. Number two, see that you're not troubled or worried about anything going on. And all this comes back to one thing, and that is we have a choice to make in life. And joy is a choice. Not to worry is a choice. Oh, Lord, just take worry from me. He says, I can't. You have to get rid of it for yourself. Well, Lord, just send joy into my life. He says, no, joy is a choice. You choose. James chapter one says, count it all joy when you fall into trial. So this is what God has promised us. What I'm offering on this broad, podcast today is a series called Choose Joy. It's a CD. It'll be a great blessing for you. In fact, CDs are good because you can often listen to them in the car if you still have a CD player in the car. But the good news about that is listening while you drive. To me, that's one of the greatest blessings of all. If you get a flash drive, plug it in your car, Again, here we have a CD, you can plug it in your car. I think that really driving to the office and back or even driving on a trip, sometimes you just want to blank out. You know, we just want to just just dismiss everything. So we listen to, you know, classic this and classic rock, or we listen to our favorite country music, or we listen to some talk radio and they just say the same thing over and over again, play the same songs over and over again. And what we need to come back to is while we're in the car, why don't we really make it count? Listen to the word of God. Because I can tell you while you're listening to the word of God, there's gonna be times you have to stop it and just think. There's times I just stop it and think. And for the next five, 10 miles, I'm just thinking about what I just heard and and rolling it over in my brain and and getting revelation on it, meditating on it while I'm listening to it and then go, wow. And then, you know, I'm going to remember that. So you go to the next one. And again, when I get to a hotel somewhere or else I get back home, I start putting those all out there. And honestly, it helps to form my life because why I'm taking some time where nothing else really good ever happened. So while just driving the car, you're just going there and back. It's just one of those mundane things of life. I turn it from the mundane into a time of becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and learning about his word. So again, I highly recommend that you get the CD. You're gonna be blessed by it. Let's come back again to James chapter one, where James tells us and his congregation, count it all joy when you fall into trials. The word count means to esteem. Look at it, esteem it. Draw conclusions from it and come to this conclusion. Count it all joy when you fall into trials. In other words, when you fall into trials, don't fall apart. Look at it, examine it. And then count it all joy. What you're looking at is this thing's gonna turn into a great thing at the end. The trial at the end of it, the trial is merely much like a birth pang. At the end of the birth pangs, there's gonna be a child born. I'm simply looking at this thing that right now I'm going through trials and troubles because you know what? Not only does God know something's good, not only should I know something is good, Satan also knows something is good coming to the end. And he's gonna send more problems and trials my way, trying to get my attention off the Lord and getting it onto the problems I was facing. The other part is, if you count it all joy, you're not doing the opposite, seeing yourself destroyed at the end of it. How many times do we get into a financial mess and the first thing you think of is, my Lord, am I going to lose my house? Am I going to lose my car? somebody sues you and you go, oh my goodness, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna lose everything? Why don't you count it all joy and realize I'm going through a problem right now. And when I come through this thing, I'm gonna turn around and laugh at the devil. I'm gonna tell him, get behind me now. And there's gonna come a time I'm gonna look back at him and say, guess what? I had the victory the entire time. There's nothing you can do to destroy me. No, I'm in God's hands. I'm walking by his word. There's no sin in my life. And if there was, I've confessed it to the Lord. I'm clean before him. I'm trusting in his word. You know what? Satan, I don't know how it's going to work out, but it will work out. Tell your own brain that because you're trying to figure out, Lord, show me how this is going to all turn out. And God doesn't do that because the Bible tells us we are going one step at a time, one step at a time. That's how we follow God. It's how we walk through life. As I take one step at a time, each step that I take takes me closer to my destination because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If I'm following his word or following the direction of the Holy Spirit, or I'm just following what I know is right in my own heart, I'm gonna get there successfully. And there's nothing that can hold me back. And the great thing is, you don't even know what great things are gonna come, but greater things than you can even imagine. So James chapter one says again, count it all joy. Joy is a choice. It's not a feeling. No, it's something you choose to do. And again, count it all joy when you fall into trials. We fall into trials a lot. Yeah, we also fall into blessings, but you know how we fall into blessings? It's usually because we have counted it all joy through the problem that eventually led up to that particular victory and joy in life. So you need to look at God's promises instead of the problems. Get your focus off the problem you're in and begin to see the promises of God. And in fact, the great thing is, even if you can't think of one, go look up your problem and then start looking for the scriptures that apply to that. If you don't have any particular uh, verse to stand on, then why don't you just count the one, my God shall supply all my need." According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us, look look not at the things which are seen, but look at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are what's in front of your eyes. The lawsuit that's there. The, the car wreck you just went through and you're not sure if it was your fault or not. Uh, well, you start looking at the fact, you know, well, they say I'm not going to uh, succeed here and maybe I'm not going to succeed. Maybe my boss told me I'm not doing such a good job on this new job and he's not sure I'm going to be here. So we see ourselves as being led off and and, and laid off and we can't get a job anywhere. Instead of looking at all that and figuring all the things that can go wrong, why don't you look at the unseen word of God that tells us specifically, no matter what happens in life, God's going to turn it around and make it work together for our good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God loves me, but next of all, I've got a purpose for my life. I've got a call on my life, and therefore this thing's going to turn around for good. Instead of being a destruction in front of me. It's going to be a stepping stone. Instead of crushing me, I'm going to stand on it and go to bigger and better things. So this is why the Word of God tells us, look at the things that are not seen. That's in front of your eyes. That's That's the imaginations on the inside. Don't look at what you see out here, which is the problem. Focus on the Word of God. This is why we're to meditate on the Word of God, and then he'll cause our way to be successful. So don't look at the things which are seen. Look at the things that are not seen. Not seen is the word of God. The things which are seen are the problems in front of you. I like what it also says in the word of God. I have learned to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the book of Philippians. Why am I saying this? Because notice this, contentment is not a feeling, contentment is learned. What you learn from the word of God brings contentment inside of you. How can I be content in this? Stop for just a moment and remember all the things that God has brought you through. Forget not all his benefits. You say, well, I don't know if I've ever faced anything like this. Well, I can tell you this. You might not have to face this exact situation, but you faced things worse. And if you haven't faced things worse, stop and think for just a moment from the things of the word of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Old Testament was given to us for examples. What do I mean by that? Instead of getting your example from Brother Bill over here or somebody else, go to the word of God and realize something. I've got a big problem, but I've never been swallowed by a whale. If God could bring Jonah through that, he can certainly bring me through my problem. I've never stood in front of an ocean and needed to have it parted. And that's what the Red Sea was. And God pardoned it. I've never been in that kind of problem. But you know what? If God could bring them through that, he can bring me through what I'm going through right now. There never has been a time in my life where me and seven others were the only righteous people on earth. And God was going to have to destroy the entire world with a flood. And I would be the only one standing on the other side. But you know what? If that was needed, God can do it because he's done it before. My problem suddenly becomes eclipsed by the problems of other people in the word of God, other people in life, and even the things I've gone through before. And I need to just stop and think, if God can do this, he can do this for me right now. Here's something else. Maybe you haven't gone through a specific situation as bad as what you're going through right now, but you were in a bad state. If God could save me, redeem me, forgive my sin, take me out of hell, put me into heaven, take out the death that was in me, put the Holy Spirit and put true life inside of me, then apparently he can handle this situation because nothing was as bad as him saving me. That's the hardest thing and the biggest thing God ever did for me. So what's my financial mess I'm in right now compared to the fact that he took me out of Satan's family, put me into God's family, gave me eternal life and removed eternal death from me. I have learned to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Stop for just a moment. Look at the word of God and understand I've come through things that God's brought me through before. I know what it's like to have great times. I know what it's like to have bad times. But in everything I am instructed, I come back to the word of God. And that is again, contentment is learned. Contentment is not a feeling. After the contentment comes to me and I'm now standing in that contentment based on what I have believed, now I've got the feeling on the other side, joy begins to come to me. So contentment again is not a feeling, contentment is learned. Jesus also told us in Matthew, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. The most important thing after you're saved, is to take the yoke upon you and learn of him. Taking the yoke and learning of him is the walk of discipleship. What am I telling you? All these things I've been speaking to you about today are marks of a disciple. A new convert doesn't know enough of the word of God and needs to rely on a lot of things around him. But God wants you to come to a point in your life where you are spiritually self sufficient. You don't need people around you. Not that you don't have people. You're going to always need a pastor and all that. But what I'm simply saying is that honestly, there comes less and less of times in your life where you have to call somebody, ask for a counselor, even thumb through your Bible or look up certain things. All of a sudden, verses of scripture start to come to you. That's what happened when you take the yoke upon you and you learn of him. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth and the truth will really make you free. What he's simply saying there, if you keep on continuing in the word of God, you never quit. Every single day you stick with the word of God, you study it, you meditate on it, you think about it, you roll it over inside of yourself. Then he goes on to say, if you continue in my word, then are you free and you'll know the truth, the truth will make you free, you're really free. In the Bible tells us in chapter two of the book of Acts that in the early church, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That means to get the doctrine they came to the place where the apostles were, which was church, and what they learned, they continued steadfastly in it. In other words, they didn't forget it on Sunday afternoon. After hearing it on Sunday morning, they thought about it through Sunday afternoon. They thought about it on Monday. They came to midweek service. They learned some more, and they begin to think about it. Again, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Throughout the word of God, we find it from Old Testament to New. Isaiah 33, 6, wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of your salvation. Continue in the word of God. Then you know what? You'll find yourself choosing joy, you'll find yourself choosing contentment, you find yourself choosing to follow after God, and because you make that choice, your life begins to level out, your life begins to become stable, that everything you attack in life and every problem that comes against you to attack you. The point of it is I'm coming out victorious on the other side. Satan, you meant this as a stone to crush me, but it's gonna become a stepping stone to even greater blessings and revelation. I'll see you next
1: time. You can order resources